had a client who she was the first person in her family. Her dad had diabetes, her mom had diabetes, her grandma had diabetes, her little brother. She's the first person to work out. And because of that, I said, you're changing the story. And people don't see it when they're too close to it, but taking a step back and realize by doing this, by, you know, you, you going for personal excellence, you're not just changing your story. You're changing mm-hmm. the person around your story. You're changing your kids. It's a legacy. Exactly. Exactly. A legacy. Hello and welcome again to another episode of One Starfish, where our mission is to help change the world one starfish or one person at the time. Um, and together we can make a difference. As always, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share all the stuff. Today I'm really excited for a special guest, Noah Sharp. Um, is in LA. She's a personal trainer in the Hollywood area in LA, uh, born and raised in, in California. And her mission is to help people. And this has been the avenue that has kind of taken her down that road. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit, Noah, like five years ago, you got into personal training um, in LA. Tell us a little bit, like, why did you get into personal training? And, and how has it kind of been the last five years? How, how have you found things? Um, so kind of trying to do the college route and realizing school wasn't for me, which I already kind of knew, but wanted to <laughs> give it another go. I was living a lifestyle that definitely wasn't healthy at all. I was working consistently and I was working out, but not tending to my mental health, not tending to my eating habits. I was partying way too much, drinking, eating whatever tasted good because I love food, which is still a fact, but uh, you there. <laughs> it was one of those things where I was coming to the point where I was, you know, still, let's say exercising five days a week, but I was not backing it up with what I was eating. I wasn't reading. I wasn't taking care of any other part of myself, except for just showing up to the gym, which I think a lot of people could probably relate to. And then doing that thing where, you know, Friday through Sunday, I was just, you know, drinking myself into a hole. So that was kind of where I was at. And then going through an injury, I was pretty, I wouldn't say, you know, in, in, what is the word? Incapacitated. Mm-hmm. I was, it was hard for me to get around. I had severely uh, herniated both my disc and my lower back. So that was, I think a huge wake up call for me just, you know, going from someone who used to be an athlete. And then even when I wasn't really taking care of myself in that aspect was still doing whatever I wanted and just treating my body and life. Like I was limitless. And Going from that to needing help to get on a toilet is very, very humbling to say the least. Wow. Yeah. So working back from that, it was something where I just, you know, started taking the gym a little bit more seriously and just baby steps, baby steps, trying to get my strength back. And it made me start to really appreciate the day to day and the steps of that and appreciating being able to stand up and lift and just utilize the body that we're given. And, you know, that made me to obviously take a step back from the partying and everything that I really see my life for what it was and a gift and my body for what it was, which is a gift. Mm. So that progressively started shifting my, you know, the way I did my habits, my life. I was, you know, partying less and people were starting to see the change in my habits a bit. Mm. And because of that, started leading people to, you know, want to pay attention to what I'm doing. When I was working out, people were starting to pay attention and, you know, ask me for tips, which is something that was brand new to me outside of sports. And I was like, oh, wow. Like going into college, like I said, for that brief, you know, a couple of semesters I did, I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, I want to help people, maybe, you know, med school's a lane. And then they're like, yeah, it's the next 15 years of your life. And I said, well, <laughs> fuck. So I don't know if I'm not a customer, <laughs> but it was something where I was like, okay, because I knew I liked freedom. I was never someone who really did well with living in a box. I think what school didn't do super well for me. 
Uh, I didn't like answering to people that I didn't see having a life that I wanted to replicate. And mm -hmm. I'm that's relatable for a lot of entrepreneurs where they don't they they can't take answers from people who see things are not wanting to you know mirror. So I was like, okay, this is Lane. At the time, I was a server at a BJ's, and I was just kind of you know doing the fitness thing on my own time. And then I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to do a full fledged. And unless I want to be servicing only one type of demographic and helping one type of group of people, I can't do it where I'm at, which was in North California at the time. So literally made a plan. I had six months left on my lease. I said, six months, I'm not renewing my lease. I told my boss, hey, in six months, I'm going to pack up and move to LA and be a personal trainer full time. And as you can imagine, they're like, yeah, okay, we'll see you in the We'll yeah. see you in months then, yeah. So uh, that's literally what happened. I told them I wasn't renewing my lease. I gave them notice of my job. I finished up my six months. I packed up my crap and I left. Literally knowing nobody, not a person, not a soul, moved to LA and uh, bugged the nearest gym near me and bugged them and bugged them until they would hire me. I literally got my, I'd already been working on doing all, but I got my official CPT. I passed the test the weekend before I left. So I was literally like, if I didn't pass it, I was not gonna be able to get a job. So I literally took the test on, I think a Friday and I moved on a Tuesday. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, thank God I passed. So got down here. I literally bugged the nearest gym until they would hire me. And I went balls deep and that was about three years ago now. So it's been a fun, fun time. <laughs> That's really cool. What, what, what drove you? Like, why did you pick LA? Um, and what drove you to like, what drives you every day? Like, why didn't you quit? I, I, a personal trainer is a hard industry to be in for a lot of people. Um, so like, why didn't you quit with some of it? Like proving these people right, proving these people wrong, you know, an inner drive. What, what, what drives you to get out of bed in the morning and do and, and work so hard? Well, the first part LA is, I think, regardless if you love California or not, I think me personally, I think the only people that love California are Californians. That's like, that's the joke I make. But I think LA is one of the biggest melting pots in the world, I would say. Uh, and you can meet people from all over the world, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different upbringings. And when you have a purpose to want to help people, mm -hmm. it's not enough to just want to help one type of group of people. Not to mention that the, obviously for a business and a financial aspect, LA has a lot to offer in that manner. You're around a lot of people and it's really go, 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 go. And especially when you're getting started, you need that. You don't, for me, it was the mentality I had before. I felt like a big fish in a small pond where I came from. And there's no where in the world to feel like a smaller fish than if you're in LA, because it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your friends are, your parents are, you start square one. And I need that. Uh, and as for the drive part, I mean, I think if you don't feel like you're getting your butt kicked at least once a week, if you don't want to quit at least once a week, you're probably not doing business right. But when you wake up and I think about, yeah, obviously the the voices in you know the back of my head are the ones that are like, yeah, we'll see, yeah, you'll be back here. That that I'm sure whoever said that to me doesn't think about it, but I remember the exact moment, and it's like, okay, well, there's a notch, or you know, when I see old videos of myself and how I used to look when I thought I looked good and I was working out. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's a notch. And then I think about, you know, when I'm doing my visualization and I am seeing myself on, you know, a plane and my, my, I'm seeing, you know, my grandmother's face sitting across from me on a private plane. Okay. There's a notch. And it's like all those things. And I don't think that anyone likes waking up at three forty-five in the morning. I don't think it, I, I'll call you a freaking liar if you say you do, but I think 
you get up and I think about, okay, well, what's going to happen if I don't get up? Okay, well, I could cancel. I have a run-out schedule. Okay, well, that's going to lead to, you know, that's that's five people that you're letting down today. That's six people you're letting down today. Okay, well, that what, what's that going to spiral to? Okay, so potentially if I don't get up right now, I'm choosing that I don't want to win, that I don't want success. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this quick thing, and then you sit up and you're like, oh, okay, crap, and you get out of bed. And that's like the mental, like, that's like five seconds that you just go through really quick like that. Yes. And I think a lot of, um, that's really cool. So hope everyone that's listening really taking notes on this. Cause I, I get asked that a lot, you know, what drives me. And if you notice how Nora takes, like, I don't know, something like getting out of bed and it goes into like a plane and there's a private jet and then there's a grandma involved and then there's like yeah, 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 yeah. a fast person. <laughs> and then there's like the people she's letting down and, and that all gets out of bed. So I think like so many people are like, what one thing, it's not one thing. It's like a whole bunch of things that you can, you can use in your brain to be able to get you motivated to do the work. And, you know, and I think so many people that, that want more, don't get more because they haven't figured out what triggers them and what gets them out of bed in the morning. I think a big part of that, and I'm sure you would agree, is that you can't do it unless your purpose is attached to something outside yourself. And until you can attach your purpose to something outside yourself, if it's only you thinking about you at all times, it's really easy to to not. If it was just me and me, by nature, I'm I'm, I'm fine. By nature, I could get by on that that server salary. You know what I mean? By nature, I would love to sleep in, and by you know design, I'm lazier than the average. I'm not I'm not more driven than the average. I'm probably lazier than the average. But if you don't attach your purpose to something outside yourself, it gets really easy to press news. I'd like uh, Ben Newman puts his mom's name as his alarm clock because when he thinks about snoozing and he thinks about his mom went through to raise him, he <laughs> who the hell am I to snooze my my alarm clock? Do you know right. what I mean? So it's like attaching your purpose to something outside yourself to get the, oh, there's a notch right there. Yeah. And I think, like I said, I talk to pretty much anyone and they, and they do that and different things are different. So really that's one, one nugget. I hope you guys get out of this is like, what really drives you? And I like that you put it that way. It's a purpose outside yourself. What really drives you? Um, figure it out. If you haven't figured it out yet, then take some time and figure out what is your purpose and why are you here? And, you know, and then by the way, that can change. I think some people oh, start with one purpose and their purpose changes, but like, what's your purpose to drive you to the next purpose to the next purpose to the next purpose? Um, yeah, that's, that's really good. So where, you know, as you're doing this, you're building this, you've been there about five years, three years, five years. Um, you know, where do you see it? What do you want to do? Do you want to open your own gym eventually? Where do you kind of want to go with with the personal trainer? So, I mean, at this point in time, right now I'm working at two different facilities. So I'm in uh, the South County of LA and then in Hollywood. So obviously when you're in a in-person service type of business, there's only so many places you can be at a time. It's only so many hours. So eventually, obviously, hopefully, you know, coaching someone up under me so I can, you know, run it from more of a high standpoint, but also I want to get to the point financially where I can start different type of endeavors where I'm bringing health into communities, not necessarily just through training. Training is amazing. Training is incredible. But, you know, starting programs that are bringing it into the low income communities that aren't necessarily getting that access. And if you're, you know, you don't have single moms or you don't have single fathers on these communities who know about nutrition, who know about the effects of them not taking care of their kids. I work with doctors who see you know, five, six-year-olds who are 150 pounds overweight. And that doesn't start with a kid, right? Obviously, that's not starting with a kid. You don't have a kid who has diabetes at six years old because of them. Mm-hmm. And it's partially because, like I said, it's a part of that culture of where education. it's going to be a lack of education. It's going to be what's accessible, what's cheap, 
what's cheaper, Whole Foods or McDonald's, right? So mm-hmm. things like that, we're bringing education back into communities. Uh, I also, you know, started an apparel company, the Winter Society Apparel, which is a company that I started just on the clothing, uh, a clothing brand. But really, the, the idea behind it was a line that represented bringing that winter mentality and that personal excellence back into this, which is entirely separate from fitness. But and they both run parallel in the fact of bringing accountability and and excellence back into communities where we've had a culture that's really accepted mediocrity. And I think it both uh, with my apparel and in fitness, it's taking mediocrity off off the table. So it's, it's not on the table. And any any of my clients will always vouch. It's not on the table the way I speak to you. It's love. You know I love you. I'm I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest advocate. And because of that, I'm going to tell you get it together. <laughs> and like and and I'll tell them I'll be like when they you know they'll get mad about it and I'll be like these people that are taking you out that are saying it's okay it's fine one more those are, I love you more than them. And that's a big statement to make to someone. I love you more than them. I'm, I probably love you more than anyone in your life because I'm the only one that's going to tell you that. So running that parallel and, this, and everything I touch, I want to bring that to the table. That we're just going to bring personal excellence and bring that level of raising the standard for ourselves and our kids, our kids, kids. And people don't see it all the time right here because it's too close mm-hmm. and they need to take that step back. I had a client who she was the first person in her family, her dad had diabetes her mom had diabetes her grandma had diabetes her little brother she's the first person to work out because of that i said you're changing the story and people don't see it when they're too close to it but taking a step back and realize by doing this by you know you you going for personal excellence you're not just changing your story you're mm-hmm. changing the person around your story you're changing your kids it's a legacy exactly exactly a legacy yeah and that's why i want to i want to inspire people to create legacy yeah, create. Are you the one as out of my life? Yeah, absolutely. the one. Exactly. And if you can do that, like if I can do that one person at a time, like that's that's everything. So, kind of going back to where you were and then where you are, um, you know, what do you think created the habits of like you know drinking every weekend? Not that you know the odd drink is is wrong at all, but drinking every weekend and all of that, and and kind of where have you come from and. How did that affect associations? Like what was some of the things that really helped you get, I mean, you made a decision to move to LA, but you know, how did you surround yourself either with books, with talked about visualization, like what kind of got you from that life to, you know, where you're at now? I mean, the drinking part, I think it, it started as a habit of like, obviously when you're, and like you said, there's nothing wrong with an occasional drink. I personally don't drink now just because I'd like to feel good and it doesn't make me feel good and it's that simple for me. Uh, but at that point in time, I think it was, it was a friend group I was in and not to do anything wrong with my friend group. I've had the same three friends for the last 15 years, 10 years. Uh, but I never wanted to be home. I think is part of what it was. I was in a a family situation where I considered my friends, my family. I did not want to be home and I was down to do anything that was not being home. Mm -hmm. I wanted people like, luckily I think it gave me a lot of, I've always been an extrovert, but I think it probably made me more of an extrovert, which is great for the industry I'm in now. Mm-hmm. But I was always down to be anywhere that wasn't home. I hated being alone at the time. I could not stand being alone. I hate sitting by myself. Mm-hmm. And because of that, what are you always going to be doing? You're going to be everywhere and anywhere, right? Yeah. And not to say that it was at the point where I was, you know, had a problem or anything, but it was just always needing to be with people is not okay. And I think you can love being around people, but you always have to yourself why, like the three whys they talk about. You always have to yourself why and 
trying to avoid dealing with everything that I had at home was actually leading me to just develop this, you know, routine where I was drinking a bottle of Hennessy a night on the weekends, which is like crazy. You know what I mean? And even then in hindsight, when I was, you know, coming out of that and I was like, okay, well, I was only drinking on the weekends. Okay. But what are you eating after drinking on the weekends? And I look back now and I was, I just did a whole story about this on my Instagram, but you're, you know, drunk and you're eating 5,000 calories and you wake up and you're hungover. So you eat more. And then it just leads that. And that's maybe that's only 72 hours, but that's a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Three days out of your week is a big chunk. If you do that times 52 weeks a year, it's a big chunk. Right. And then I think luckily I was blessed enough to have a, a, a small core that kind of evolved with me out of that. But mm. a lot of the people that I stopped hanging around, when they stayed in that cycle and they didn't get that out of their system. And it wasn't just a, a point in time. I've had friends who've died. I've had friends who are still living that lifestyle and it's normalized. I've had friends who are my age who've already had to detox and do all this stuff for the simple fact of, I just, mm-hmm. I saw where it was going. I had a, like a moment of clarity where I think it actually, it's not even, I think I remember the moment there was another server I was working with who was, 30 plus years older than me in a brief moment I saw my life if I did not do something mm-hmm. and it was like almost an anxiety attack mm-hmm. it was like almost a full-blown anxiety attack of if I don't do something I will be here for the rest of my life maybe not in this particular restaurant but I will be here stuck right where I am for the rest of my life mm-hmm. that moment the fear of that now overcame the fear of change and it took the fear of being stuck where I was to be more than the fear of change for me to be like, I got to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. One way or another, I got to get the hell out of here. And you can say that, you know, my routine, my actual literal location, you can apply to everything. I got to get the hell out of here or I will die here. Mm-hmm. And that was not okay for me. I, I saw the bigger picture in that moment and I knew that I was meant for more than that. And seeing that, like, a, it's almost like looking in a mirror of your older self and being like, or, you know, and, and my life talks about it, when the idea of having being like you meet the person you're supposed to be mm-hmm. and how close, how close you get to that. And I saw the person that I didn't want to be mm-hmm. and either running to or from something. And I ran the hell away from that version of myself I was becoming. That's so good. And I, I mean, I always tell people too, like talk to someone that's doing what you want to do 10 years longer than you and, and see if that's what you want in your life. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. And it became like, like it became an obsession. I think around the same time Nipsey Hussle died and that was a big impact on me. Not even for the fact that I was obsessed with his music, but you're seeing someone who had the passion and the urge to help people die. That happened. I became that then again was another trigger. Cause I was like, dude, life is not, life you're is not, not invincible. You're not invincible. You see someone being a real life hero. You're not invincible. And I became like engulfed with Eric Thomas. I was living and breathing Gary Vaynerchuk it just became everything where I was like this is where I'm going to be like tunnel vision this is where I'm going to be I'm not going to be that person this is where I'm going to be did you have one person in your life at that time that started to introduce you to some of those those people like Eric and you know Gary and stuff like that or was it just like man you're just like searching stuff and then all of a sudden these guys pop up and you're like okay I'm going to follow these guys or was it I'm her, trying like, to, I don't remember exactly yeah. what got me into that content. I think uh, Eric Thomas has been big for a few years. So at that time, he was blowing up. Gary Vaynerchuk has been big for a few years. But at that point in time, three years ago, he was also blowing up. Social media was pivoting more to the reels and that type of thing. So it was something that was, you know, and then obviously the more you engulf something, the more the social media. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I was like, 
this is how I'm going to, this is, this is my, what I'm going to listen to. And I remember hearing something about like brainwashing yourself, like what you, what you intake is what you're going to, you know, those are your thought process. So the more I took it, the more I was like, okay, this is the normal. That's not the normal. And then adjusting what your normal is and adjusting your internal temperature. Like, and my life talks about adjusting that became a thing where I was like, okay, I'm starting to see who I want to be. I'm starting to see myself as that person instead of seeing myself as just a broke kid from down the street. And the more I pivoted that, that identity of myself, the more that that became the new norm, as opposed to feeling like I was the odd one out. There's no more FOMO because I saw where I was going. Right. That's really cool. And then as you went through that, because one of the things people always ask too, and is the whole like, you know, some of your friends didn't pivot with you. Some of them did, which is awesome. Some of them didn't. Did you ever were like, well, I don't want to like cut people out of my life and that kind of that kind of thing. Did you ever feel like you actually cut people out of your life or was it more just like, you know, you just separated you different, you had different things. You just quit kind of hanging out and I think if you're quit asking and if you're really on the path, I think it happens naturally. I don't think, I think there's probably a few times where you actually have to actively tell someone like, I'm not talking anymore. Mm-hmm. It could get that point. Maybe if it's a family member, but I think naturally, I think it happens where if someone's stuck in their way and you're going on yours, you're naturally just going to go in different directions. So I think there's definitely a few people that happen naturally with, and then, my most inner friend circle when it started happening naturally it was like a literal conversation we had to have of like either we're all going to grow or we're just going to have to not speak and that was like a conversation we're all on the same page about which is rare i think in my in my opinion that's rare that you can do that you have to be on some real like grown stuff to hit that point Mm -hmm. but i became it became the point of the opposite when i was younger when i was so afraid to be alone and so hated being alone where I really fell in love with isolation. I really fell in love with with the quiet and I fell in love, especially during quarantine, because that brought a whole new level where you didn't have as much distraction, you couldn't distract yourself as much. Mm-hmm. And being forced to fall in love with solitude. And it made it so, the more I worked on myself, obviously, the more I valued my energy, I valued my time. And it became more of now when you give your time and your energy, not to be in a cocky way, but it's a gift. There's only so much we all have, especially if you're trying to pursue something big and you're in a noisy industry. There's only so much time you have. And when you do that, you get to really raise a standard who you want to associate with. And it became something where I got really confident saying either you're going to rise with me or I just I can't. It's not that I don't love you. And one, you know, one of those friends actually gives me the perfect example. Shit. It's like how God does with us. He loves us and he will walk us beside us. But he also has to let us do what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. we have that choice. We have that choice constantly and it became that where that's how you're supposed to love people where you love them and you support them but you don't walk with them in the in the mess but you're mm-hmm. always and i always use that reference i'll always hold my hand out but i'm not going in the hole for anyone i'll hold my hand out to the hole i'm not going back in the hole for nobody ever mm-hmm. that's death mm-hmm. never so good and so true um that's that's awesome so um this is so good guys make sure to follow noah and reach out to her all the links will be in the show notes all that kind of stuff by the way so in wrapping up like i said i know we could go for a long time but uh in wrapping up um i have three final questions i always ask and then anything that you know that we didn't touch on that you think is really important if someone ran into in coffee shop and said hey Noah, what did you miss on that on that podcast um We'll go into that too. So three final questions. First one is you run into someone's looking for that purpose. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't even know what my purpose is. What's one sentence that you would say that could help them find their purpose? You are most equipped to help the person you used to be. 
Words of Ed Milet. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've been quoting that like a, yeah. I think it's one of the truest things that it's, it's one of the truest things I've heard in my entire life. And it yeah. makes everything make sense. Your mess will become your message. Love it. Yeah. Um, number two is, and I'm sure you have lots, but which one comes to mind? What's your favorite quote and why? Outside of that one, uh, ooh, my favorite quote. That is not something I think about often. That's actually a really good question. I think right now it's, it is that one because it shows like what you just said, that your most quick person used to be your, your, what does he say the way he freaking says it? He says, you're actually God, or this is a good one. God doesn't, what does he say? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called because everything that we think makes us dispensable and everything we think makes us unlovable is actually the very thing that we've gone through to serve the world. And God's his purpose in everything we do. And one of the you know best messages I ever heard was that if it was just you, if it was just you, he still would have died on the cross. And I know not everyone's religious, but that stuck with me because it, it shows that in your darkest time, you are still so beyond worth it. You're always beyond worth it. Mm-hmm. And you're always one step away from that, that next, that next person you can help. That's so good. So true. And last question is what, what, what's one word or sentence that you want on your gravestone? I serve the world. Love it. That's so cool. Um, and like you said, now final, if you run into someone in a coffee shop and they're like, Hey Noah, what's something that, you know, would really help me. I want to, you know, become a light. I want to do something. What's, what's something that we, maybe we didn't touch on that, you know, you think is really important for our listeners to hear. I think realizing that where you are is exactly where you can be to start. I think a lot of people always in the, and that goes in life, business, fitness, People always think, well, I can just get to that point, then I'll start. Oh, well, maybe if like, you know, I can just be right there, then it'll be. There's never an ideal time. Where you are right now is a perfect place for you to be to start. Where you are right now is exactly where you're meant to be. There's, you know, the best day to start was yesterday. The second best day to start is today. Always, you know, position yourself to be ready because people mentally ask for a lot and they mentally say, I want this and that. Position yourself to get to that point. You don't become an NBA player by doing the habits of not an NBA player for 18 years, you start those habits now, you start today, and then naturally evolve into that. So I think always, you know, just realize that right where you are is right where you're supposed to be, and that's right in the perfect place to start. It's never too late. I love that, that's so cool. As always guys, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share, reach out to Noah, um, and let's go out there, let's change one starfish or one life at a time, and if we change one life at a time together, we can change the world. Thank you so much.